0: Welcome to the Beer Edge Podcast. I'm Andy Crouch. We'll get into the show in a moment, but first I've got Greg Taylor on the line, and his company, Source Brewing Company, is a sponsor of the program. We're talking about Source Brewing's Inclusion and Diversity Scholarship. Hi, Greg. Tell us a little bit more about the scholarship.
1: So looking around the brewing industry, one area we definitely think there could be some improvement is uh, the subject of inclusion and diversity and we are proponents, and we think it would make for you know a lot you know better, more creativity, um, different mindsets and cultures views on things and you know that always you know variety is the spice of life and we like to represent you know all beer has to offer and all the, uh, the culture and personality and that comes along with it. We think it's beautiful, want to celebrate it. So the way we thought we could make the most direct impact in the industry we love so much is by creating a scholarship to help. Someone who is underrepresented in the brewing industry, get a world-class education, and we're partnering up with the Siebel Institute of Technology, America's oldest brewing school, to offer a full ride to do the concise course in brewing technology.
0: We're excited to have Source Brewing as a sponsor of the Beer Edge podcast, and Greg Taylor will be back with us at the bottom of the program. But in the meantime, I'd invite folks to check out Source Brewing's website at sourcebrewing.com for more information on the Inclusion and Diversity Scholarship, and the brewery. Thanks for listening to the Beer Edge podcast. Before we get to this week's conversation, I'd invite you all to visit BeerEdge.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter or grab some merch. For all of you smoked beer fans, you've got to get your hands on our new Camp Rock Beer t-shirts and our slick camping mugs. And for those of you who love lager beer, of course, you can help us as always by defending Pilsner and buying a t-shirt and a big, beautiful lager mug. I'd also invite you to check out my partner John Hall's podcast, Drink Beer, Think Beer, which drops with new episodes every Wednesday. John is a master of the engaging, lively interview and his style always brings out the best in his stellar guests. And check us out on social media. We're everywhere at the Beer Edge. It's been an exciting week here at Beer Edge. After a year and a half apart, John Hall and I finally got together to share beers in person, and it was pretty awesome. We're making exciting plans for the future of Beer Edge, and we're looking forward to sharing them with you soon. We also got to hit up the opening of Notch Brewing Company's new taproom here in Boston, something I've been eagerly awaiting for more than two years. And it was worth the wait. With a proper and stylish beer garden filled with authentic German communal tables and some of the best lager you're going to find stateside, it's a little slice of heaven, and thankfully only a very short drive from my house. As I travel around the country, I often visit places that I wish were closer to home. Bars and breweries I'd visit a couple of times a month if I could. And just new spot definitely has that feel. One where you can clink half-liter mugs of beautiful lager with close friends, and share tables and jokes with total strangers who share your love of classic styles. And there are a few people I look forward to sharing a beer with more than today's guest. Chris Shepard is one of the keenest voices in the craft beer industry. A senior editor for Craft Brew News at Beer Marketers Insights, Chris covers the trade side of the craft beer industry with wit, wisdom, and a healthy dose of skepticism. And you might wonder how a trained actor and theater director found his way to writing about the business of beer. As you'll hear Chris tell it, Beer Marketers is a 50-year-old company, a true family-run operation, founded by Jerry Steinman. His son Benj, a fixture in his own right in the beer business, followed in his dad's footsteps and now runs the show. And there at his side for more than 40 years is Eric Shepard, Chris's dad. Eric, who I've had the pleasure of sharing beers with, is the VP and executive editor who joined BMI in 1977. BMI is one of the oldest and longest-running beer publications out there, certainly on the trade side of things. The company produces a handful of newsletters targeted at the broader beer industry, as well as sponsoring conferences throughout the year. It's a critical voice in the beer trade, but it long focused almost exclusively on the big players for its largely wholesaler audience. But in recent years, the company has moved to expand its reach. One of the most prominent craft-focused efforts has been Craft Brew News, which Chris writes and edits along with Benj's son, David. See? A true family operation spanning three generations. Chris is one of my favorite people in the beer world. With more than 11 years covering the industry, he's smart, compassionate, and thoughtful. And sadly, we only get to see each other once or twice a year, at big beer events usually, like the GABF or the Craft Brewers Conference. And as you'll soon hear, he's an exciting voice in the world of craft beer, and I'm looking forward to our next round together. Here's my conversation with Chris Shepard, of Beer Marketers Insights. For those in our audience who are not familiar with maybe more of the trade side of writing, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself and then also talk a little bit about uh, Beer Marketers Insights, the
2: employer? Absolutely. I am now almost very close to 11 years into covering the U.S. beer industry and primarily the U.S. craft beer industry for Beer Marketers. Uh, Beer Marketers is a 50-plus-year-old company. I guess we're about 51 now, uh, founded in 1970 by my boss's father. So my boss is Ben Steinman. Uh, He's been doing this for about 40 years, uh, following in his father Jerry's footsteps. Uh, But I am also following in my father's footsteps, uh, as I know, you know, Andy, mm-hmm. uh, my dad's been doing this for about 44 years and actually retires in a couple months. Um, and they're, they're, they were they're family friends, actually. Like I, the fun story I always like to tell is, um, the first shepherd, um, to work with a Steinman was actually my great grandmother, oh, wow. uh, who worked for, uh, Jerry before he founded beer marketers. He, she was his, um, uh, uh sort of executive assistant in i believe it was he was in advertising if i'm remembering correctly before he started the, the newsletter um and it started beer marketers started as a every other week uh sort of four page printed newsletter because it was the 70s mm-hmm. um and that publication is called beer marketers insights and still exists but over the last 50 years uh we have launched. I want to say the number is six other newsletters, uh, including our sort of fast news now daily. It's it it only was in the last year or two that it truly became a daily publication called Insights Express, um, and both of those publications are focused on the total beer industry. I primarily and I'm, uh, write for and am the senior editor for or one of the senior editors for. Craft uh, Brew News. Uh, my my co-senior editor is David Steinman, who is Benji's oldest son. Uh, I also work on a bunch of our Alcohol Issues Insights publication, which is policy and science focused. Um, we have a non-ELK letter. Uh, we do some webinars. We do event-to-events every year. Uh, and, you know, we're we're really, I like to think of it as, historically speaking and traditionally speaking, uh, we tell the industry some, uh, about how it's growing or not growing uh, in, in ways that that hopefully it didn't uh, entirely know before uh, we wrote it. We do a lot of data tracking. Uh, we, we have to work with numbers a ton. Um, and it's something that we've sort of prided ourselves on for, for a long time, something that my father has spent a lot of time on, counting barrels. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you know, we're out there all the time. Uh, We're talking to people all the time. We're talking to people in the industry all the time. And uh, really, you know, mostly just reporting on stories that are really moving the needle, right? What's what's moving the needle for the industry as a whole and for the largest companies? Um, We have that sort of bent of being focused on really the larger side of the industry. Mm -hmm. So even in craft, we're spending most of our time on the largest craft brewers, uh, you know, by volume, you know, like I said, counting barrels and and paying attention to who's, who's moving the most, more of them than, than everybody else uh, is, is a big part of what we've done for, for a long time. Um, But I will say that's something that we've, started to wonder about uh, in recent years and, and thinking about uh, other ways of, of going about covering the industry uh, and and some of the other forces that are impacting it and and that's something that we've been talking a lot about certainly in the last year or so but especially in the last sort of six months I would say
0: so growing up in a household where your dad wrote about mm-hmm. beer or wrote about the beer mm-hmm. industry, was this something that you thought of as a potential career path Are you certainly wanting to get involved in a, the family operation or uh, how did how did you land where you landed?
2: <laughs> Cuz my mother told me to. Yeah. Um <laughs> No, really, I and I laughed there and I, that because I, not remotely. I had no idea what my father did, even though, even though working at Beer Marketers was my first job, right? And when I was in high school or before high school, maybe it might have been in middle school. Is that possible? Was I really thirteen or fourteen? Maybe, maybe it was 15, 16. I every other week, like most of the Simon and Shepard children did, I. Uh, at some point for a few months or longer you know we would go to the office every other friday afternoon and help stuff envelopes mm. um and, and it's funny my brother remembers he recognized he's much smarter than i am and always has been um but he remembers he like has memories of stuffing envelopes with names like august bush the third yeah on them um and being like that name or like cores or something on them and being like, that name sounds pretty familiar. Hold yeah. on a second here. Um, but I was completely blissfully ignorant. I was just putting orange paper in white envelopes. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have an awareness of or, or care what it was or what it meant. Um, it really wasn't until, you know, uh, unfortunately, after I started working at beer marketers as an adult that I really gained a cognizance of. What we did and and where the publications went, and what you know, whether or not and to whom they mattered. Um, I had I didn't drink beer, didn't like beer um, until, you know, uh, pretty soon before I started working for the company. Um, and I always say, you know people talk about their aha moments. Of like, oh, I mm-hmm. had this craft beer and that changed everything. I never, I never had one of those. Um, at least with drinking a beer, M- my aha moment was on doing the research to to write a sample issue uh, of Craft Brew News before I started working there, um, and sort of learning about these companies and being like, hey, this is kind of cool. Um, and yeah, you know, they, they, they to explain the mother comment like they knew they were going to start craft renews. They knew they, my father and, and uh, Benj, my boss, had discussed they they would probably need another writer at least part-time to, to help them accomplish it. Um. And my, as the, as the legend goes, my father mentioned this to my mother over dinner one night and she said, you should ask Christopher. I went to school for theater, uh, English and dance. I was trying to do the starving artist thing in mm-hmm. Brooklyn uh, working at Starbucks and, and teaching test prep. Uh, and, uh, my mom didn't want that life for me uh, and thought she might've saw another one. Uh, and here I am today. Mm.
0: So did you have any trepidation of going into a, you know, a sort of small family business operation or did it feel like a, a place that you had sort of known, you know, since you were a kid?
2: Yeah, I mean, these were people that I grew up with, that I, you know, Jerry, my you know, Benj's dad, Jerry and his his late wife Irene were like grandparents to me, mm-hmm. you know. I, I got gifts from them every Christmas. I went to their house for for their New Year's Day parties every year. Um, and, you know, so I, I've known Benj and his wife Robin and their kids my whole life. Like, David and I talk about, like, we have these distinct memories of playing ping pong with each other yeah. in their basement as kids. And, um, and so I didn't, I wasn't really thinking about that. And I, you know, this is also the kind of, you know, 20 something I was is that, you know, theater guy, right? Not super career oriented, Mm -hmm. wasn't really thinking about long-term career, wanted to make art, wanted to make great art, didn't really care about getting paid for it. Um, That's the kind of artist I was and and sort of director that I was Mm -hmm. in the city, in the downtown scene, right? I wasn't, I wasn't working for that career either um and so i just sort of went into it saying well let's try it and 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 benj and i were very clear with each other up front like we don't know if this is going to work um but let's see if it will uh and and again you know and and here i am almost 11 years later
0: and what what were your first impressions of the beer industry
2: (laughs) oh i really didn't get it andy (laughs) i really didn't get it i really didn't it took me a long time to figure it out because I wasn't just learning the beer industry. I was also learning industry, right? I was also right. learning business. I was learning, you know, what were the financial um, metrics that were important and that mattered. Uh, and I was learning that very much through the lens of beer marketers and, and what we valued and have historically valued. Uh, I was very thankful to have, you know, two experienced uh, editors who were, Looking over me and checking my work, you know. To this day, I say, you know, the thing that I benefited most from, that that got me where I am, is the fact that I had Benjamin my dad, mm-hmm. um, as as really strong editors, and saying no, you know, because as especially as as young people, I still feel this sometimes as as a relatively young thirty something, um, things can feel new, uh, right? Oh, this is new. Oh, this is unique. Oh, this. Oh, look at this. You know, and they would look at it and be like, that's not new. What are you talking yeah. about? Like, you know, and, and I, I I benefited from having those eyes. Um, but I really didn't know anything. I, I had to learn it really quickly. And again, thankfully, because beer marketers is what it is, you know, we, we we published this extensive report that, you know, for a long time it was a physical book. It's not a physical book anymore, but it's called Beer Industry Update. And my father has essentially written a book every year for the last, uh, 23 to 25 yeah. years or something, which is, you know, it's, it's a tome, it's hundreds of pages of data, uh, and analysis on <laughs> the beer industry. Um, and so, you know, luckily for me, like having that resource at my, at my fingertips allowed that learning curve to be pretty high, but right. also for me to be able to scale it relative, relatively quickly, <laughs> I would say it took me a few years to really get it under my belt. And and again, like I was part-time for a while. It was about three years that I was only, I was doing this and, um, and some other things. I was still teaching test prep for a while. Uh,
0: and from the beginning, but, did you see this as, you know, once you had been doing it for a couple months or however long, was it something that you thought, yeah, I think I could do this longer term, or did you always just kind of view that as kind of a shorter term
2: project? I, you know, I wish I could tell you, I feel like I'm revealing myself as being, you know, especially then incredibly naive, but I, I, I really wasn't thinking about it in that way. I, Mm -hmm. um, I was still like, I I was still very enamored with craft and with some of the stories of craft, which I think in recent years, we've gained a better understanding of, of ways of talking about them. That's a, that honors the complication, right. Of some of the myths uh, in, in some mm-hmm. of the origin stories of craft, right? that, that it's not also sunshine and, and, and rainbows. right. Um, but I was super enamored with that and and honestly loved the fact that I was being paid to write. Yeah, you know, I, I was a theater guy, but I, I've also been a writer uh, probably even longer. Um, I in, back to elementary school, I was like had already shown that I was interested in writing. Um, and so the fact that I was, I had a job as a writer and I was, I was being paid to just write things about these companies that I thought were pretty darn cool. Uh, right, and this was 2010, right? So craft mm-hmm. was, craft was starting to take off too. It was, there were a lot more people who were recognizing that, hey, this is pretty cool. Um, you know, that fueled a lot of the energy for the first few years. Um, personally too you know
0: you had noted earlier that uh, beer marketers um, largely you know the audience especially for a company that's been going on that long um, you know the this is you know the the audience there for the yeah. first you know two or more decades was, had to just by the nature of the industry had to be non craft because that's what that's oh, what yeah. beer was in the United States. Um, and I know, <laughs> I know that we've talked about it before, and I've, I've joked, <laughs> joked with both Benj and your dad about it is that if you, you know, Jerry was sort of, you know, very famously not anti-craft, but very suspicious of uh, of sort of this newfangled thing and, and whether or not it would would continue. So, and, and and it was just a flash in the pan. Which, frankly, in the nineties, that you know, mm-hmm. in the late eighties, that was still the the mm-hmm. prevailing prevailing narrative for for quite some time. So, how is you know beer marketers you know relationship with the craft community in terms of you know, focusing on it and 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 then determining that it was indeed here to stay. How has that sort of evolved in in either your experience in in seeing how it your your dad and Benj and and perhaps even Jerry have responded to it, and then you know moving into a a new sphere with yourself and and David really taking mm-hmm. you know the company in kind of a a different direction and focusing you know much more necessarily on on this exciting and burgeoning you know segment.
2: Yeah, I could probably, you know, I, I, I appreciate your caution. I think I can probably get away with saying that Jerry was straight up anti-craft.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I want to <laughs> be, be polite, but yeah, that, I think that's that's fair.
2: It's, and, and you know, and by the way, Jerry's favorite beer at uh, 96, is he 96? Is he 93? I forget. His favorite beer these days is Hazy Little Thing. Yeah, that's um, great. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> things change, um, and is one of my favorite tidbits. Uh, Benj sent a picture of him with a with a hazy little thing, Ken, uh, and and actually, I think it was probably poured in a glass. But uh, to to Ken and and the folks at Sierra, who at this point they've also known for a really long time, um, and have developed you know their their own relationship with. Um, that was that was a couple months ago, and so. Uh, Yeah, it's been it's been tough. I mean, listen, the the company was founded in the 70s. And one of the um, the key audience then were uh, and remains wholesalers, Mm -hmm. uh, beer wholesalers. And and one of the key reasons, you know, to my understanding, and I hope this isn't apocryphal, I don't don't think it is. um, But one of the the key reasons why the, the newsletter got off to a fast start in the 70s was that was a period of lot of consolidation right among the regional brewers and there was a there were big changes there but there was no publication that was Sharing all of those stories and 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 explaining all of those movements and tracking all of those movements for the thousands of wholesalers, right? Because in those days, wholesalers were mostly pretty small, were mostly family owned, mm-hmm. um, knew their markets really well, um, but the, you know, but their territories were much smaller, uh, and you know, their their other their primary source of information were their suppliers, um, and so that was the opportunity that Jerry seized. And so off the bat, the primary audience was wholesalers. And that that continued. Right. And that, you know, drove uh, a lot of the views of of beer marketers publications, because not only was was that a a major piece of the audience, but a major part of the sources. Right. A a lot Mm -hmm. of the people that that. Gary and then Benj and my father talked to for a long time um, were wholesalers and listen it's not also not a secret that through the eighties and nineties there was a lot of skepticism of craft uh, from that from that group of folks right. as well um, and you know there were you know obvious and important exceptions to that but uh, and and that and that continues right there's there's still. Uh, in in 2021 and and through the last decade, there there were still, you know, f- folks in the middle tier who uh, you know look at some of the complexity that that craft creates and and some of the 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 you know demands uh, that some pretty small players make of them and say why should why do I bother with right. this um, and you know that that has morphed and shifted and you know honestly the relationship between uh, you know, wholesalers writ large, which is a terrible generalization to make off the you know at all. Mm. Um, but with, with the craft segment and with with craft breweries is a very very different place than than even ten years ago when I was when I was starting out. Um, but we at, we at beer marketers, you know, we we have always called it a, a sort of show me attitude. You know, uh, we, we generally, even to this day, when, when it's a, it could, it's a huge part of a lot of people's coverage is all the new things that are coming to market, this new entry, this flavor, that this exciting something or other, um, we have traditionally and, and still try to find a way to, to say, well, show me, you know, I'm not just going to write the fact that this exists. Yeah. Talk to me in six months when you've got some sales figures that you can share with me. Um, and That's that's frankly increasingly difficult to do, Um, uh, and also sort of, admittedly benefits larger companies, right? That have a track record and say, well, we're launching this new thing, and we know you know that we've we've done these launches successfully, um, which makes it a little bit harder for for newer companies to break into. Um, But you know, it's a very different world.
0: This trade side of sort of the the beer press here is, is kind of interesting because it's one that, you know, it's, it's not one that is all glitz and glamor. It's not one that people spend a lot of time paying attention to, but as you know, like, you know, a lot of beer writing, doesn't pay very well, or it's very amateurish. This is a company that's been going, you know, on for the better oh, yeah. part of a better part of a half a century, um, you know, with you know, with some folks who have some very long memories of it and have seen mm-hmm. most every trend kind of come and go. Um, you know, with respect to that that trade audience, like, how is it writing for kind of a smaller? smaller number like uh, you're not writing for the general public you're writing for a very specific audience and and you know do you feel limitations within that uh, you know i know having done limited trade writing myself it it just feels mm-hmm. like a very different animal than mm-hmm. than writing for the the larger consumer class and i know you as someone who is as a person who's very passionate about beer it's not just a business to you you love yeah. you love the flavor you love the aroma you love the whole <laughs> aesthetic and attitude and 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 all of the stuff that goes around with craft beer. So how, how is that for you, uh, you know, writing on that trade side?
2: It's been a huge challenge. I, because, because I, because I don't, I, it's sometimes hard for me to even still remember the audience mm-hmm. and rem and remember that I'm not writing for everyone. And I, I, I have felt this over the years. Because I look, I look at beer writers, um, you know, like you folks, uh, like you and you and John, and and lots of others who are writing for um, broader consumer-based audiences, and and uh, seeing the things that you do, and becoming friends with you, and and being supportive of the things that 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 those writers are up to, and and it's hard to tamp down my ego in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, especially, I've interact, I've I've confronted this especially on social media right especially on twitter yep right i i see some of the things that are said and like for a while i was like i think i could like you know i have all these numbers at my you know right right here in front of me on my desk and some of the things that get written or some of the things that get tweeted, like, no, they're just wrong. I should just fact check yeah. everyone. And I very <laughs> quickly recognized that it was like, there is no way that I'm going to be able to do that. First of all, um, they're, they're, it just would take, <laughs> unfortunately, far too much time. Um, uh, and, and ain't nobody got time like, yeah. for that. Uh, <laughs> mm. But but also recognizing that, like, that's not sort of the person I want to be, <laughs> mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Um, but I, you know... But the ego is strong with this one. I will fully <laughs> acknowledge that, uh, and so, you know, working against that and sort of recognizing that—that's—that's um, that's not my gig, right? That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm paid to do, certainly. Um, and it's maybe not necessarily the most useful thing for me to to do for myself, for mm-hmm. as a, as a person, as, you know, for my spirit. I am also, you know, the the theater guy, the artist is still in me. Um, and so I, I negotiating that in terms of, and writing about the business, uh, of beer is, is always a fun one too, but people still get really confused when I say that I write about beer, you know, their immediate assumption is that I'm doing reviews. Right. And and so they ask, oh, so you, you know, review things and, you know, you know, which breweries are good and you know, which beers are good. And I was like, well, I like to say that I review breweries and, and brewing companies and beer companies, yep. not, not beers themselves. Yeah. Um, and that they sort of get that, but even the general public, a, a lot, a lot of folks don't really interact with any form of trade press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so figuring out how to how to uh, help folks understand what it is that I do on a day to day basis is not always not always simple.
0: We were talking a little bit before we got on here, and then you mentioned it a little bit earlier about sort of myths of craft beer and just how, you know, you know, in one of the things you're talking about earlier about just sort of being enamored with, with craft beer and the craft beer community. I think we all have experienced that at one form or another, and maybe did for a very extended period of time. But in the last year or two, and maybe even longer, we've started to, you know, see that this community is not necessarily everything that we thought it was, or that there are components that are, that are missing that should be present Uh, And their voices are not being heard or or served and in other industry, you know, things that are that we are all not, you know, or many of us are not very happy about, uh, but have been sort of very slow to address or slow to change. Uh, What are some of the things that concern you in the beer industry or what are some of the things that you think, you know, should, you know, should be subject to change?
2: Oh, there's so much. (laughs) I know, I I recognize that (laughs) is the
0: broadest entry point to this conversation. Yeah,
2: sure. Sure. Uh, Um, so I'm going to zero in on uh, one aspect of that question, right? What concerns me most? Um, and I think this, my, my, my answer is the same. Um, but I think about it in two different and distinct ways. Um, and and that, that, what concerns me most um, is how insular the industry is mm-hmm. um, and how comparatively small the consumer base is. Um, beer doesn't talk to everybody um, yeah. and beer doesn't include everybody. Uh, and that's, that's a, it, there's a long history there. There's a very long history there. Um, that might have something to do with why, as a twenty-something, I didn't drink beer and didn't care about beer, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, a, a topic that feels sort of beside the point, uh, even though I think it is related. Um, and as uh, I've written a couple times, and, and most recently in the in the last week, uh, to to put some numbers to it. Uh, just in one metric, in, in one community, a pretty large one, women, American women, uh, there are about 40 million uh, American women who say that they drink beer. Um, and that's just over half of the 76 million women or so who say that they drink alcohol at all. Mm. Uh, and that's that's mark survey data. Um, and compare that to uh, the the 82 or so percent of men uh, who drink, who say that they drink beer uh, and compare that to the 60 million women uh, or about 80% of the women who say that they drink, uh, who drink spirits. Hmm. Um, be- beer has this problem and spirits do not have this right. problem. Um, and, uh, and again, that's just one community, right? One really large community. Um, but I, the, the it, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, like I do for that for uh, for communities of color, and uh, you know uh, for uh, LGBTQ plus folks uh, like myself, uh, and so uh, and 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 and, and uh, you could you could go on much longer in terms of communities that beer has historically struggled to speak to and appeal to. Um, and certainly struggled to welcome into the industry. Uh, and the the article that I wrote about craft uh, for our flagship publication last week, that we published last Friday, concluded with with the question uh, that I'm I, I think I wrote better than I'm going to say right now, but it was essentially, you know, c- can the industry really deal with these two issues in isolation? Right? Can it deal with the fact that it's not encouraging women, for example, uh, to drink beer. Um, and the fact that it is not typically, uh, generally, uh, terribly inclusive, uh, as an industry, right. That, that most of the people who work in the industry are male, mostly white men, mm-hmm. um, certainly in positions of power, um, and influence, um, can, you know, are, are those really issues that the, the industry can sort of address separately? Um, and I, I, you know by by asking the question i think the my, my personal answer is you know implied that i'm i'm not sure i'm not sure that the industry can um but uh that's to me when i think about the the sort of big concern uh for the industry as in general uh but also me personally uh and and my position in it mm-hmm. <laughs> and my and my interest in doing the job that i do for the industry um which is educating it largely. Uh, that's 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 the that's the chief concern for me.
0: And we've you know, we've talked obviously in the past and talked earlier today about you know, some of the you know, sort of for lack of a better word reckoning that, is, that has come through mm-hmm. the industry in the last two years. You know, starting with you know you know maybe you know tipped off by Black Lives Matter and you know the killing of George Floyd, moving through to the more recent. Brienne, Allen, Rat Mm -hmm. Magnet, uh, list of uh, on Instagram and the stories there. Uh, Do you? You. And one of the things I think I'd mentioned off air was just a, a concern that you know, as with what happened with Black Lives Matter and you know things ranging from Black is Beautiful a year ago and how that you know there were black. Squares all over Instagram for a hot minute. And then, you know, like Americans typically do, we've moved on. Uh, and, you know, that you know, there, no real change seems to have, you know, maybe a little bit more awareness, but not necessarily real change. And we're starting to see something somewhat similar, I think, with the, with the, you know, uh, Me Too reckoning within the beer industry uh, for lack of a better way to put it, because we're just inundated with so many stories and literally 1500 or more Instagram stories. Do you think that there is a genuine interest in, in sort of moving towards change within the craft beer industry? Or do you fear that as I've sort of noted here, I, you know, that this may just, you know, just be a blip before things go back to, you know, business as usual.
2: Uh, I am gonna reveal my may- maybe I'll just preface my answer with my general uh, uh, self-identifying as a, as an optimist. Uh, I said that really poorly, but I am generally an optimist, and so uh, listen to the rest of this answer with that understanding in mind. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, so I in craft, I do sense and see and feel and hear. Uh, a recognition, right? that the reckon- reckoning is is really creating a recognition of, okay, we've we've got to do better. And yes, the a lot of this has happened on social media, and that's the way that most people are interacting with it. Um, and that is slowing, uh, absolutely. Um, and I think that that's natural. Uh, but it has also started some real behind the scenes conversations that are not going to be public. Uh, and and the where they lead uh, is also not necessarily going to be as public. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly as the reckoning has been for the last month. And but the conversations that I've been having with folks are very much around mm-hmm. that work, right? Which is the harder work, which is the longer term work. Uh, and so while we, you know, we've all been watching these super public uh, accounts um, and grappling with them, uh, there there are other things that are happening that are not anywhere near as public, mm-hmm. um, and that. Companies really sort of investigating their own policies. For example, Uh, companies really sort of recognizing that, well, holy crap, our our HR is not Mm -hmm. anywhere close to what it should be. Um, Recognizing that where they're investing their resources um, is out of balance and out of whack, and the thing, and so in craft, I sense a real appetite adjusting that and it's not going to be across the board nothing in craft ever is mm-hmm. or can be that's a good point um ever you know i talked about wholesalers in this way right Talk, you know jokingly talking about them as a group which is completely unfair because they're so it's such a large and diverse group of of folks and businesses um that that sort of talking about them as as an entity or as a monolith is not really fair craft apps is so much so the same um we we love talking about craft as an industry it has always well in modern history it you know in the last 10 years as long as i've been doing this job you know you can say one thing that is true about craft and find somebody doing the exact opposite thing that is also true yeah um and so describing it as a monolith is not necessarily particularly useful frankly um uh whole separate conversation can sort of jump off from there. Um, But I do sense that largely speaking, especially at larger companies, um, and for companies that really get it, right, for companies that really understand that they are in fact a company, that they do in fact employ people, and Mm -hmm. that there is a huge responsibility associated with that, there is a real sense that we might be able to, to, to move the needle. That said, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that there, the appetite is the same outside of craft. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least that there is, there are bigger questions about what, what change is possible, um, to achieve at scale. And, uh, and that relate, you know, part of that is because craft brewers operate in a much larger ecosystem of businesses.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that it's a that it will be a lot more difficult for them to change um and to encourage to change i'm going to i'm i'm going to i if you, if you allow me for one I'm more second on. you know i'll i'll do the uh i'll do that thing where i say and but 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 but, yeah. but 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 we we david jokes with me all the time i will write three sentences in a row that begin with the word but uh, and it'll be like chris <laughs> you've done the but but thing again um because I always love to contradict myself. Sure, um, uh, I did it on the phone with John the other day, uh, 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 John Hall, your lovely mm-hmm. business partner. Um, the, you know, but to to sort of zoom out even further, right? So in craft, I sense that there's this appetite within the beer industry writ large. I I see more questions about that. Um, but when I zoom out even further, we're also inside of a moment. Where the business world is recognizing in a much clearer way, again, that that sort of value system or or where the investment is is maybe a little bit out of whack right? Um, and that the attention on growth and the intention and the attention on the bottom line has maybe not served everybody. Uh, as well as it could. There's a there's a big big attention on on what what they call ESG, uh, or environmental uh, uh, environmental social and governance, mm-hmm. um, which is essentially you know d- does this company care about the environment right and recognize uh, that it that it ha- that it exists on a planet and in a place that requires care. Uh, does it does it does it does that company care about its social impact? The fact that it sells things to a whole bunch of, of consumers uh, and that it employs a whole bunch of people um, and government governance, right? How it is governed? Who are the people who are making the decisions and how are those decisions being made? Um, there is there's we have noticed at beer marketers a big uptick in attention on ESG, not just within the beer industry or the alcohol beverage industry. Uh, but in the broader business space, uh, with Wall Street analysts paying a lot more attention to it, writing long reports about it. and and frankly, you know, that's that's a sh- that's a bigger shift, and that's a broader shift uh, that I think this also um, this storyline to m- to my eyes, hooks into. Um, and so those those are the contexts that I'm mm-hmm. viewing this inside of. Um, and I think, again, that gives me hope, right when when you when you have Wall Street sort of saying, well, maybe we should care a little bit more about people and planet, that you know, honestly gives me a little bit of hope mm-hmm. uh, that that folks are recognizing that that maybe growth at the end of the day, maybe money at the end of the day isn't the only thing, right? maybe there's maybe that's a part of a bigger picture. Uh, and and that frankly speaks to my. Interests and, and my sort of value system in a little bit more of a direct way, uh, that I'm frankly excited to have the chance to explore uh, in my job and and in the, these publications.
0: And that's actually an excellent transition to my next question, which is to sort of to move <laughs> the move the chain the question of you know will change occur to you know, what subjects do you think are undercovered you know by the or not covered enough by the beer press uh, or ones that you think deserve more attention than perhaps, you know, perhaps are getting. And, and maybe it's just because, you know, we're we're so busy trying to handle day to day news or or trying to you know deal with things like COVID or what have you, but that we hmm. miss miss sort of broader themes or broader subjects.
2: That's tough. That is that is a tough question uh and it's you know honestly it's one that i ask (laughs) Mm -hmm. i I ask that of readers all the time anytime that i interact with someone who i know subscribes like one of my first questions is always like so what am i what am i missing what am i not covering right and they always sort of look at me like uh i don't know (laughs) like isn't it your job to know what (laughs) um of course in this context this is a a very fair question of me so uh that's not a criticism (laughs) uh um I, I, I and I would I would say that it's and and maybe this is just where my brain's been a lot for the last certainly six months, but but really a year plus um, is that I've been hungry for more stories about the interactions, not, not just of a business that's growing or a business that's just been founded by somebody who doesn't look like every other craft brewer. And like, listen, I, I love those stories. I mm-hmm. love reading them. Um, but I'm interested in in maybe some of the way that some of these companies are already interacting with these topics in, in different ways or unique ways. Um, we, we sometimes see stories about, uh, I think they've been around longer, right? Environmental and, and with sustainability. Uh stories about whether it's technology or a project uh that a a certain brewery has has implemented or invested in uh that makes them either more water efficient or you know uses energy in a different Mm -hmm. way um i'm interested in going a little bit deeper i guess and and i'm still sort of developing my own uh, uh just sort of understanding of how to talk about some of these things frankly and how to write about some of these things, but I, I'm interested in more interactions with the community. Uh, I think, right? Like, how does that decision actually impact the city that they're in mm-hmm. or their neighbors? Um, how how are how are breweries sort of functioning within their communities in different ways? We always talk about, especially craft breweries, as these community meeting places. Um, but we often just talk to breweries about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I think I'm interested. I, I guess I'm interested in stories about the beer industry and about beer where people who are making it and selling it aren't the ones who are talking about it.
0: That's interesting. Yep.
2: And, and I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, I asked that a little bit as a question because I'm just sort of thinking about this as I speak about it right now. But you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't be focused so much on ourselves, right? And 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 maybe maybe we need to be reaching out to the kinds of people that beer touches, rather rather than the people who are super inside of it. Um, talking to people who are connecting with it or not connecting with mm. it. Um, and and I think that that's something that is easy to miss, right? It's right. it's easy to to focus on ourselves and focus on the people that we know and the people who are close to ourselves. Um, and to, to go back to that theme of, of inclusivity and, and sort of welcoming, well, if we look around and start thinking a little bit more, it's like, who's not in this room? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that works a lot harder, right? That works a lot tougher. Uh, but I think that there's a storytelling side of that as well. Uh, and that I think all of us who are writing about beer right now could, could be thinking about more deeply.
0: Welcome back to our conversation with Greg Taylor of Source Brewing, a sponsor of the Beer Edge podcast. You also have some other exciting news. Why don't you tell us about uh, the new location?
1: Source Brewing will be opening up our second location. It's going to be, uh, so we have the Farmhouse Brewery in Coltsneck, and this will be Source Urban Brewery in the heart of Fishtown Neighborhood of philadelphia which is really exciting there's a lot of creative and artistic energy with bars and restaurants and and other artists in town that we're we're really looking forward to moving in there and um, delivering some excellent beer drinking experiences if we could direct people um, to careers at sourcebrewing.com uh, if you're qualified for our diversity and inclusion scholarship so you're part of a a group that may be underrepresented in the brewing industry. This can be females, ethnic minorities, uh, transgender, you know, any sort of, um, you know, underrepresented group, you're eligible for the scholarship. So it could shoot us an email to careers at sourcebrewing.com and just tell us why you're interested in getting in the brewing industry. Also, if people are in the Philadelphia area and looking for employment as chefs, beer tenders, hostesses, Line Cooks, we would love to hear from you, and uh, we encourage you to apply also at careers at
0: Thanks for listening to the Beer Edge podcast. My partner John Hall and I work hard to bring you fresh and insightful content related to the ever-changing world of craft beer. We're passionate about beer and independent journalism. If you're interested in supporting Beer Edge, visit our website, BeerEdge.com, which is updated regularly with new content, interviews, and articles. Please also consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episodes. You can also subscribe to the Beer Edge newsletter on our website. Is there anyone you think that we should be talking to? Please drop us a line at Andy at BeerEdge.com with your thoughts. Thanks for your support.